When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slips a tackle, and there he goes. It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught! Incredible play by Donald! He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time to talk midweek news and notes with our friend Cover the Jets over at NJ.com, Mr. Daryl Slater. Daryl, I heard that you ran a 5-5 at your pro day. Is that accurate? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) I honestly, let's see. If I could run a 5-5, I don't think I could run a 5-5. I don't think I could. Could I break six? That's a that's that would be the that would be the question. Could I break six in the, in the forty yard dash? Probably many many moons ago in college, a bunch of us screwed around and, and ran these just for like fun. I can't remember for the life of me what it would have been, but yes, no, I, I uh, five five would be would be like uh, a four three <laughs> in, in my world. <laughs> You remember a few years ago when Rich Eisen ran the 40 and it was running it in a suit? That's what I'm envisioning right now with you running the 40-yard dash. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked just as, just as awkward, exactly. You did not have a pro day. However, Justin Fields did. We've talked about Zach Wilson's pro day, and he put on a show. Justin Fields also put on a show, ran a 4-4-40, which is incredible for a player his size at the quarterback position. The only one in recent memory who ran faster than that was RG3. Now, RG3, as we know, had a great rookie year, and then the injuries derailed him. So whoever picks Justin Fields hopes that doesn't happen to him. But an impressive display. The one thing you got to keep in mind, and you say this with every pro day, it's just a dude throwing balls with nobody coming at him. He doesn't have any defenders covering the receivers. So it's important that he do well at the pro day, but it's not the end-all, be-all, and sometimes people read a little too much into these things. I mean, you're talking about two young guys who have been you know, fairly healthy for the most part. Um, so the physical stuff isn't like a concern, right? I mean, Justin Fields, freak athlete, he can really run. Um, Zach Wilson can sling the heck out of the ball, can throw on the run. I mean, that's why they're elite quarterback prospects, right? I don't think anyone doubts necessarily the physical part of it. No one's saying like, oh, the guy can't make this throw or that throw. Um, You hear that a lot about these prospects. The guy can make every throw on the field. And people are still saying that about Sam Darnold, and it's still true, right? (laughs) I mean, like physically he can do it. It's not really that. It's more um, the mental part of it, like in terms of 
you know, the decision-making, right? And that's the problem with Sam Darnold. And that's the thing that's going to be a big leap for Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or even Trevor Lawrence to the next level. Like, can they process things quickly and make the right decisions? And it's impossible to figure that out um, in a pro day setting. And it's to a large degree, really hard to figure that out just by watching college tape because the competition is, is obviously inferior to the NFL, but like, it's so tilted in a lot of these cases. Um, maybe not so much with Ohio State last season, but that's that's the that's the question mark with Zach Wilson, right? So, like, as with Fields, right? Not a large body of work, which was sort of kind of the case with Darnold, too, because if you're a talented quarterback, you're coming out, you're not playing four years, that's just the way it goes. Not a large body of work, necessarily. And then the concern with Wilson being, uh, you know, he didn't really play, uh, you know, a lot of great teams, which because BYU had to cobble together that schedule. Um, not his fault, but that's just the way it works. And you, you hear Mel Kuyper saying that's why he's not really certain about Wilson. And I think it's a, it's a fair point. Um, so, but obviously GMs can only go with what they, with what they have. And, uh, you know, I'm sure GMs like Joe Douglas are going to value the game tape, even against lesser competition, more than they value a, a pro day workout. But, it's nice for a GM to go and see and confirm with his eyes in person, like Joe Douglas did that Zach Wilson. Yes. Yeah. He can make all those throws. albeit not, uh, in, into coverage or, um, with a pass rush on his face, but this is what they have to work with. I mean, this is, this is the, the stuff they have to work with in terms of making these big decisions. And that's why it's so hard to make the right decision. Um, because you just, there's no way of having all the information. Um, that you really need to make this forecast. But, yeah, I think the pro days went as expected for these guys, um, and probably I think most people are going to look at it like status quo. Like if you had one guy ahead of another guy, it's not changing it. All right? If you had Wilson over Fields, what happened to pro days? Probably not changing that because both guys um, did what they were quote-unquote supposed to do. And uh, I, I don't know if you if vice versa, if you had Fields over Wilson, that, that you're necessarily changing your mind there either. So, um Ultimately, they're just like opinion. You know, they're just opinions, and it's crap. It's a crapshoot. But um, it certainly was. You know, it did confirm what you knew about these guys, right? I think you knew that Wilson could sling it, and I think you knew that Fields is a freak athlete, and, and it, it did confirm that. It definitely did. And then the, the bottom line for these the players is they got through them healthy, um, because you know you you would hate to see a guy get hurt at his pro day or something like that and then uh, not be able to get really what, what he deserves money-wise. So um, both these guys are going to be drafted high, but we'll see where. In some ways, it's probably more important, especially this year, when there's no in-person contact for a lot of this stuff, to get to see these guys in person, talk to them, interact with them, get a feel for them. That might be even more integral to the decision than seeing these guys throw at the pro day when, as you said, there's game tape to show you what they can do. Right, exactly. I, you saw Joe Douglas talking a little bit um, with with Zach Wilson there at the pro day, but obviously the, the the interactions in person are very limited. You know, they can they'll be able to talk over Zoom, and I'm sure go through um, X's and O's stuff over Zoom and and ask some questions about um, you know challenge them on whatever character concerns or whatever. Um, but it's not the same, obviously, as in person and. Uh, I guess whatever limited amount of in-person time there, these GMs are able to get with with a quarterback um, at the pro day, they'll they'll have to take it. Um, but th- that makes this a lot harder. I mean, last year there were no pre-draft visits either. Um, you got to remember. I mean, this has been going on 
since last year. This affected last year's draft as well. Um, and, you know, whether the draft is in person or not is really immaterial if, if to, to the decision-making process. It's, it's can any of this stuff be in person? And for the second straight year, um, COVID has really put a put a damper on the, a GM's ability to, to do that. So, but you have to, you know, everyone's dealt the same hand here. And that's why um, these guys get paid the big bucks is to deal with deal with adversity and um, make the right call. And uh, we'll see, because this will, this will determine largely whether Joe Douglas considered a success or a failure with the Jets. Two other guys who get paid the big bucks, but not to make the ultimate decision and certainly not to participate at pro days are Mel Kuyper Jr. And Daniel Jeremiah, a lot of people look to them in terms of what they think teams should do during the draft process Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper coming out with their rankings and they have it very different Mel Kuyper Jr. has his big board up today he's got Justin Fields as his number six overall prospect Zach Wilson is his number seven he says the Jets should take Justin Fields if they're going to take a quarterback Daniel Jeremiah tweeting out his quarterback rankings he has Trevor Lawrence one Zach Wilson 2, Trey Lance 3, Justin Fields 4, and Mac Jones 5. He also has said that if Sam Darnold was in this draft, he would have him as the third rated quarterback after Zach Wilson. So what he's saying there is that he believes that if you're going to take Wilson, then it might be worth it to move on from Darnold. If you're not, then it probably isn't. So this is really interesting, Daryl, because you've got two titans of the draft industry vehemently disagreeing here. But one thing I can say is that I think when you look at what Jeremiah and what Kuyper are talking about with these quarterbacks, it all comes back to what you said. You can have educated opinions, you can have uneducated opinions, but ultimately this is all crapshoot and we're all just guessing. We all have our preferences, but you and I were talking before we started recording. It's funny how people will fight to the death over these prospects when nobody knows how they're going to turn out. But I did find it interesting that Jeremiah was significantly higher on Wilson than Mel Kuyper Jr. was. And I also thought it was interesting that, as you pointed out in your article at NJ.com, Sam Darnold ranked ahead of the majority of these quarterback prospects for Jeremiah. Yeah, and he's talking about Darnold right now, not not coming out of college mm-hmm. where he would have ranked him. And um, Yeah, I think that's a good point because the Jets have to figure out uh, is is Zach Wilson right now an upgrade over Sam Darnold right now? And Dar- Daniel Jeremiah certainly thinks so. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is one, and and so I think that Fields is the fascinating guy because I think everyone thinks somewhat highly of, of Wilson, but the, the opinions on Fields are really all over the map. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, the, the the one thing Kuiper has come out and said about Wilson that he's concerned about is the body of work. Yeah, I think I asked him that on a conference call, one of these that he did. And I said, well, why do you think that they'd be better off staying with Darnold? That's what he, because that was what he said. Like he said that he thinks they should trade down and stay with Darnold. I said, well, why? Well, how, why is he not as good as Wilson or whatever? And he basically was saying that, you know, the thing I said about the level of competition that Wilson faced and all that. So, um, yeah, and Jeremiah even has Trey Lance ahead of Justin Fields and Mac Jones at six. So, or really five, right? So Lance would be three, Fields is four, and Joe Mac Jones at five. So and then, but you've heard people talk about maybe Mac Jones to the to the Niners at, at number uh, number three. I mean, I would be surprised if the Jets took anyone besides Lawrence or Fields at two. Like I, I get that would be a kind of a shocker, but um, yeah, I, 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 it's hard because these guys don't have like like I said 
a huge body of work to go on. So you're having to look at a very limited scope of film and, um, and project off that. So I don't I mean, I would be curious to see what these were before the pro days. If either of these guys changed their opinion based on pro days, I, I don't think so because so much of what they do and assess is based on what they saw last year on film. So, um, but it, it just goes to show, like we said, that the two two guys who spent a lot of time looking. I mean, you could you could debate with you know who has an agenda or who who's smarter than the other guy. And the bottom line is, Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah spent a lot of time looking at this stuff. They don't they're not just guessing, <laughs> you know. So yeah, they can be wrong, of course. Um, but they spent a lot of time looking at these players, and and they know what they're talking about to a degree, and certainly to a larger degree than most average Joe Blow casual fans who who watch. So. One of them is going to be really wrong, <laughs> uh, unless somehow all of these guys wind up being really good quarterbacks, which we know doesn't happen. Uh, just look at the 2018 draft and how that panned out for all the teams that picked quarterbacks high uh, in that draft. So, um, you know, you go back and you look at what people were saying about Josh Allen. It's fascinating. He was the polarizing prospect that year in 2018, and um, you had opinions all over the map about him. I don't know if Fields is that polarizing this year, but – Obviously, everyone knows how Josh Allen has turned out to be pretty darn good. Um, it'd be interesting to go back and see you know, Josh Rosen, the guy who really flamed out. Not, way worse, obviously, than Sam Darnold. Um, so, I, I, you know, you don't see that. You don't see a lot of people going back and saying, like, oh, what were people saying about him at the time? <laughs> um, but you got to remember and take a lot of this stuff with a grain of salt because a lot of people doubted Josh Allen's ability to come into the NFL and play. So, honestly, like, and Lamar Jackson's turned out to be an awesome player and was drafted at the end of the first round that year. So maybe Trey Lance winds up being the best quarterback of this group. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's really, it's really hard to say right now, but Lance has his own concerns, you know, obviously mm-hmm. he didn't play last year and then the, the North Dakota state competition level. So he's a huge wild card. Um, so that, that's sort of where, uh, where these guys are at, but yeah, there's a, like I said, there's a piece we were talking about. There's a piece up there on NJ.com right now about that. Because you do have to factor in Darnold if you're the Jets, right? I mean, Jeremiah thinks Wilson would be an upgrade over Darnold. Kuyper doesn't, and he thinks they should take Fields, but it sounds like he thinks that they should trade down. Um, and to me, the decision is, if I had to look at it, is Wilson or trade down. I wouldn't take Fields there, but then again, I I know less than those guys do. So <laughs> I think that was a bigger grain of salt. Daryl Slater, he knows less than most guys do. That's going to be your slogan. Well, less than Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah. Somewhere between nothing and what those guys know. That's what I know. Daryl Slater, he knows something between nothing and what the experts know. That'll be on your business card at NJ.com. That is great. I like that. So there's more to this than just Sam Darnold and just the draft pick because you have to combine both is what you were saying, and there are a lot of people that are talking about that. And – the question becomes, what happens with Darnold one way or the other? If he sticks around, do they trade down? If he doesn't, what do they do with him? Where do they trade him? Albert Breer had said the other day that the Steelers and the Panthers were two teams to keep your eye on. He also said that Washington and Denver had misgivings about Darnold after watching him on film. And now there's a report from the ABC affiliate in Denver essentially backing up what Breer said. He said that George Payton, the general manager of the Broncos, 
has not seen enough in Darnold's tape to think that he's a significant upgrade over Drew Locke, their incumbent starter, to the point where they wouldn't feel comfortable giving up a second-round pick. And you also have, of course, the fact that Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah were talking about a scenario where maybe Sam Darnold could get traded on draft day, perhaps to a team like Carolina. If these quarterbacks all go at the top, which is what some people say, you could have Mac Jones going in the top five. If that happens, all those guys could go in the top five. And then Carolina gets shut out. At that point, maybe they're willing to give up a second-round pick to get Sam Darnold. So maybe while Carolina's on the clock, a move happens there. Who knows? And then you had the opportunity to speak to Charlie Casserly, who is not exactly popular among Jets fans, but still somebody who has some cachet around the NFL, former general manager, works for the NFL Network, and he had his own theories about what the Jets should do. So let's unpack all this, Daryl. What do you think about these scenarios? It sounds like Denver may not be in play, certainly not at this asking price. If the Jets were to lower the asking price, maybe to a third or fourth, it might bring some more teams in, you would think. Then the possibility of maybe Carolina doing something while they're on the clock or after they find out they can't draft one of the quarterbacks they want. And then what Charlie Casserly said, which is essentially that there's no easy decision one way or the other. Yeah, I think what he was saying here is, you know, uh, he, he, the thing we've been saying all along, which is that you don't really know maybe who Darnold is because of all those other outside factors, coaching staff that they provided him and the sporting cast that they provided him weren't exactly, you know, beneficial to him. So there's that. And then there's the fact that, you know, you don't, all the things I was saying before about that, and Charlie said this too, you don't really get a, a full grasp on these quarterbacks because of how uh, the pandemic is, is, is limiting your ability to get to know these guys. So of course, yeah, I agree with him. I mean, it's not an easy decision. I think he's kind of stating the obvious there. Um, but as, as far as you know, the suitors, um, look, I mean, I think Donald, you know, people throw around that for the right price thing, like, which means, for cheaper. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you can get Donald for a third or fourth round pick, it makes sense. I think to take a chance on him, if you're a team like the Panthers, uh, who obviously Teddy Bridgewater doesn't seem to be their long-term solution there because it's not a significant investment. I mean, if you look at how much he's going to get paid by, by you as the team that trades for him, it, it's, it's about four and a half million dollars. I mean, because the jets are going to have to eat the, eat the $5 million prorated signing bonus. So it's the last year of his contract, four and a half million, um, and if he plays great, you know, great. Maybe you have you have the guy. Um, and I'm, if, if this is presuming the Jets don't pick up his fifth year option for 2022, that's fully guaranteed. Obviously, now they shouldn't pick it up. I mean, um, but you got to remember, you know, that's not due till after the draft anyway. So that would be his new team making that decision, or uh, and probably declining the option. So the monetary investment is not a lot. And now, is the team willing to get on a second round, first round pick for him? And at this point, no, probably not. I mean, because if you're going to, if he's going to Pittsburgh, if he's going to any of these teams, he's not he's not going to be the guy, right? So, hypothetically, like if he were to go to Denver, you know, he'd be in a competition with Drew Locke, or in in Pittsburgh, he would potentially be the guy who could replace um, Ben Roethlisberger. And 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 same thing, you know, he goes to Carolina, um, get a chance to maybe replace Teddy Bridgewater mid mid season if Bridgewater stinks, or uh, I, I would have a hard time seeing Darnold winning the job outright over Bridgewater. Um, and in Washington, their their situation is is really a mess. And you're talking about teams that just in Washington, Denver. Well, Denver's not going to draft a quarterback, but Washington and and the Panthers in particular, maybe they're out of reach, right? Like maybe they're too far out of reach to get a quarterback. The other thing to consider is would Carolina trade up to the Jets spot? It sounds like Joe Douglas is pretty 
content to stay there at two. I mean, he didn't, he didn't trade out in that 49ers move. Um, but if, if he were to trade out, he would, could get a haul um, at this point. Now that's a lot for Carolina to give up too, on the other hand. So I think it, w- it would be a stunner. I think it would be a stunner if quarterback did not go one, two, and three um, with the Jets staying there, right? If you had to forecast it right now, I think, you know, Lawrence and then quarterback, quarterback. Uh, to the Jets and Niners, and that would leave the Panthers saying, okay, do we want Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields, or would we rather just give up, or, or you know, Mac Jones, I should say, or would we rather just give up like a fourth-round pick, pit Sam Darnold against Teddy Bridgewater, see how it goes, and maybe revisit this next offseason. So, yeah, I could I could see that happening. Um, why, if you're the Panthers, why make that deal now until you know for sure? Um, that's the thing about these, about trades I mean, uh, circumstances and deadlines kind of spark these things into happening. Um, and so once the Panthers know that they have to do things a certain way or that they won't be able to get a certain guy or two guys or a quarterback, then that might spark them into saying, okay, you know, Donald's Donald's. uh, Donald's a guy. So it's sort of an, if not this, then what situation? No, no one's, preferring to, to, to get Sam Darnold and make him their quarterback. I mean, that's pretty obvious at this point <laughs> uh, <laughs> to make him their week one starter. Um, but he's a fallback option, and you almost have to wait until the point comes when, when teams are, are ready to fall back. And, and at this point, so much is up in the air that you know, a lot of teams are not in that position yet. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Last order of business, Daryl, the league owners have approved a 17-game schedule. What this means is there will be one less preseason game, and that 17th game is going to be between two teams that match up record-wise from the season before. So with the Jets, that would mean one of the weaker teams in the league. There are rumors that it would be the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think the real winners here of anybody are people like you and me, Daryl, who are forced to watch all four of these preseason games, and now we only have to watch three. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. The Jets are uh, – the, the NFL did announce that they will be Jets equals for the 17th game. Mm-hmm. Um, that the league came out and announced what, what it is going to be, at least for this year, for that 17th game. Uh, the schedule is formulaic, by the way. I mean, you get your division games, and then never – I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it, it all cycles through in terms of how the schedule works. Pe- teams know their schedules years out, except for like one game, right? So um, that one rotational game is always against the corresponding place finishing. So the Jets finished last last year. I think this year they're playing the last place team from another AFC division, whatever it is. I forget what this game is going to be, at least for this year, this extra game is going to be the corresponding place team, last place team from the other conferences, like east right so the nfc east last place plays the afc east last place the afc west last place plays the nfc west last place that's what this is going to be this year at least so i don't know if they're going to make that the thing going forward but that's why it's going to be jets eagles i think that's a jets home game what this i mean honestly it's i think it's just stupid like 17 games is weird it feels dumb uh it, 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 there, I cannot think of another sport in the world, like in the English Premier League, I think they play 38 games, right? So they're playing an uneven number of games, which is just bizarre to me. It doesn't. It feels awkward to play an uneven number of games. I understand why they're doing it for the money reasons and all that. Um, and they're also staying at one bye week, which is, which is going to push everything, right? So I think they're going to still want to start the season 
on a Thursday after Labor Day, right? So everything's going to get pushed, which means you could have a Super Bowl on President's Day weekend. PFT actually did a good post on that, which I'm sure people will love, right? People who have nine to five office jobs don't have to go into the office on President's Day can be all hung over from the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, so yeah, 17 games, I don't know. It feels weird. It's going to change everything in terms of how you can, you know, how you're going to look at a 10 and seven season. That just feels strange to say. There's not going to be any more eight and eight. Um, you really you can't go 500 anymore because even eight eight and one winning percentage wise, I think uh, it it would count 8.5 divided by 17. You get half a win for a tie, so it's technically mathematically impossible to even go. Well, I guess that is 500, right? Eight and a half into 17. Um, so there you go. Um, but it, it just it throws a little bit of a weird monkey wrench into just the. And, and single season records is, is just sort of another thing to consider. But the Jets and the Eagles will be the teams playing. It's the 17th game. We don't know that it's going to be like the last game of the season, of course, because the schedule is not going to come out. I think they were saying second week of May for the schedule, so um, which is a little bit later than normal because now they have to figure out a lot of different things for the 17th game in terms of um, how to slot it and travel and bye weeks, especially now, like I said, with only one bye week. It's tough for the players. I mean, this is another game on these guys' bodies in a very physical sport. Um, so I, you know, you kind of, you kind of empathize. I know these guys who pay a lot of money, but you can kind of understand why they were pushing back on this. But the NFL obviously is looking at this as an opportunity to add revenue, which eventually could could help the players in terms of contracts or whatever, rising salary cap, all that stuff. So, yeah, Jets, Eagles. Uh, and I think it'll be a fascinating game because while maybe these teams, well, they were both terrible last year, um, and maybe so this year, it'll be an interesting contrast in terms of uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, who is now the guy there in Philly now that they've traded back out to they're not going to draft a quarterback. They're at 12 um, against whoever the Jets put out there, whether it's Sam Darnold as a reclamation project or or, or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. So that's kind of a cool storyline here as these teams kind of start over at quarterback um, after, you know, after the Wentz era in, in Philly and maybe after Sam Darnold's time is up at, with, with the Jets. Or, or it's Darnold, uh, you know, a young quarterback trying to make something of, of his last year of his contract. So, yeah, that, you know, Jets fans, Eagles fans, Obviously, super passionate, and and I think Brian Costello from the Post mentioned this yesterday on Twitter. The Jets are actually 0 11 all time against the Eagles, which is kind of a weird stat. They've never beaten them. Uh, I don't know if there's another team on their schedule that they've never beaten. It's certainly not one that they've played that many times. So there you go. It's a chance for the Jets to get uh, a win. And so basically, for the Jets, instead of playing the fourth preseason game against the Eagles, they get a regular season game against them. I don't know what the I'm sure Jets and Giants will play in the preseason. I, does this mean Jets Eagles is gone and there's only one rotational game, or there can it continue to be two rotational games? Doesn't really matter. Like you said, all that really matters for us is we don't have to watch another crappy preseason game, and maybe the third preseason game becomes what the fourth was, which is a backup bowl. Um, or maybe they really do play it out now with all three games actually having a little bit more juice than that fourth one ever had. So. Um, a lot of a lot of things to consider for teams as they go through this, and I think we didn't we didn't bring this up. Um, I just thought of this as scheduling wise. the The NFL yesterday, I don't know if they announced it, but so this is important for the Jets. There there will not be a head start for teams with a new head coach like 
like the Jets in the off-season workout program. So basically, usually those teams get a two-week head start if you have a new head coach. So the Jets were scheduled April 5th to begin their off-season workouts because they have a new head coach. And teams with a returning head coach, like the Giants and all these teams with the returning head coaches, would start on April 19th. Well, the league just either announced or Tom Pelissero reported yesterday that um, all the teams are going to be starting on the 19th. So no two-week head start for the Jets. Well, it's a smaller kind of schedule change that kind of got lost in the shuffle amid the 17-game stuff. Um, and, and none of it's in person anyway, uh, even though some of these guys are working out at small groups and at the team facilities. So that's what Robert Sala is going to have to deal with here uh, as he gets ready for his first season. Um, and, and as Joe Douglas figures out who his quarterback is going to be. So it's going to be an interesting April for Robert Sala as he gets his feet under him. Daryl Slater, Jets beat reporter and teacher of fractions. Thank you so much for coming on as always. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I know that you're going on vacation for a couple of days, but you've got plenty of stuff in the queue for when you get back, right? Yeah, we'll be looking ahead at, at the draft and then the Jets options there. And, and uh, once things have kind of materialized, I think at this point, Joe Douglas will have after the Justin Fields pro day, after Zach Wilson's pro day, all the information he's really going to need uh, as he enters the month of April in a critical month. So I think you'll start to see, um, well, I guess you won't see it, but his, his decision should start to kind of crystallize, at least in his own mind, uh, about what he's going to do. Uh, but like we said, it does, that doesn't mean if he's ready to move on from Sam Darnold that he's going to pull the trigger on a trade. I think that's a good point that some of those guys brought up about this thing coming down to the wire. So it should be a fascinating month of April. Fascinating and exhausting for sure But make sure you're checking out Daryl's work Over at NJ.com And check out what we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com And our YouTube channel as well We've got Kayla Pace's commentaries Pace's playbook Play Like a Jet Live featuring Luke Grant And Clayton Smarslock That's every Wednesday night And a whole bunch more Make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss anything And be sure to give us a 5 star review on iTunes If you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time Time doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.